What's up, Table Fam? Uh, welcome to the Table Podcast, a young adult ministry of First Orlando in Orlando, Florida. I'm Pastor Isaac, and before we get into the message, I wanted to invite you to our special Christmas celebration night on Tuesday, December 6th at 7 p.m. in Marie Williams Chapel. Uh, there, we're going to sing Christmas songs, reflect and celebrate the year, and you'll want to come wearing your Christmas best, whatever that means to you. Maybe that's a tux and a ball gown, maybe that's a tacky Christmas sweater, or maybe it's the plain black hoodie that you've been wearing every day this year. However you want to wear your Christmas best, uh, just come and hang. Uh, we're going to finish the night with a free-to-you, completely free-to-you candlelight dinner. We do ask that if you're able, um, you come with a blanket that we're going to give to one of our partners in the city to give away to those that are less fortunate. Um, you can find out more by following us on Instagram at the Table Orlando. And now uh, we're going to jump into this message uh, given by our special guest, Tyler Reagan. Yes, yes. yes, yes. Omega Watts in the house. Now, now, now let me set the table. Now, now, now let me set the table. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you could make it. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you could make it. Right. How we doing? Hey, that's better. How we doing over here? Somebody's good. You're good. I appreciate that. How about over here? You guys all right? This feels. <laughs> so I've got two quick thoughts before we jump in tonight. And one serious. And if you get to know me at all, I can stay serious for about 17 seconds. And then we're going to move to something which I'm a little disappointed, Isaac, in your intro. Because uh, you didn't talk about my sense of humor. And that kind of broke me a little. But it's okay. The one first thing I want to say is that I really appreciate what you said. Um, I've gotten to do some pretty amazing things in, in my career so far. I'm 46, so I'm, I'm making progress in, in the old life thing. But here's what's amazing is um, I'm a leadership guy first. You'll hear me talk. That's, tonight it's going to be rare if I don't go into teacher mode a little bit. Uh, I think Jarian prayed for preacher because he knows I'm a teacher, so we'll see, we'll see what happens. But uh, the reason God's given me opportunity to lead uh, significant things isn't because the second part you said, which is I'm sharp, because I think that's not necessarily true. I made a 420 in the SAT in English. Go English. Um, But what I do know is that Leadership 101 is pretty simple. You care for people. So I'm just giving you that as free advice. If you want to know how to take leadership and, and grow your influence is you care for people. And so um, thank you for saying that. It really means a lot. The second thing is a little more serious. That was uh, just a thank you. As I was sitting there, we were singing, Oh God, a revival. God reminded me of a season of my life that I want to share because I don't know. I think he wants to say something to some of you in this room tonight. Uh, I went to the University of Georgia. Don't hate me. Yes. So you don't hate me. So that's awesome. Um, huge secular school. I'm from Atlanta. And I got to be a part of this thing. This was in the uh, mid-90s called the Wesley Foundation, which is a Methodist student center. But here's what I, I, I bring this up. There was a group of students, 18 to 24, some 25, 26, we don't talk about that, were committed to the idea of a revival or awakening on a secular campus. Committed to it. So much so that our campus pastor came, started preaching on that, talking about that, praying about that. This guy prays like all the time. And the 75 students he inherited went down to about 25. That's good church planning, if you don't know that. But that 25 was committed to something way bigger than themselves. There were two students I know of that are friends of mine who would lay on the roof of our auditorium and pray all night that God would show up and do something in the hearts of students and young adults. When I got there, there were about 150 students. When I graduated in 1998, we had 1,500 every Wednesday night. People like Annie F. Downs and David Platt, and I put myself in that category, clearly. We all came out of this little season of a committed community that said, God, what if? What, what if your word is true? What if you actually would do what you say in our lives? What if you actually wanted to awaken a community of young leaders for your kingdom? And I'll tell you this, 20-something years later, let's see, nine, I can't do the math. I, do, I, I was better at math for the record. Um, but 20-something years later, every Wednesday night, 1,700 students still meet at the University of Georgia. Countless lives were affected because there were 25 students who never saw the fruit in their season there, were committed to the idea of what if our community believed something bigger than ourselves? 
That's not what I'm talking about tonight. But there was just something that stirred in me as I was sitting over there. We were singing that song and the idea of chains breaking and walls falling down could be pretty impactful. And all I know is that I've been marked by that season of my life. There were about 10 of us guys that would meet with Tom at midnight on Sunday nights to pray for two hours. Let me tell you what, I'm not a night person. I fell asleep more times than I prayed. But God knew my heart. And it was an unbelievable season. And so I, I don't know, that's, that's a freebie tonight. But I think God wanted to share that because as we walk through tonight's message, we get to the end, there's a comment, a conversation I want to have with a couple of you that I think that word was for you, okay? Is that cool? All right, we're going to dive into this a little bit. Anybody know what season we're entering into? Christmas. What's the, Christmas, what's the season that leads to Christmas? Advent, right? Who knows what Advent means? Anybody? No? Okay, anybody ever heard the phrase, uh, patience is a virtue? You guys heard that? I'm sure your parents said that to you a million times, right? My parents still say it to me, and I'm like, I'm 46. Leave me alone. I got this. <laughs> However, I've got a ninth grader and sixth grader sitting over at TFA who I tell it to almost every day because, Dad, I need a pair of shoes. We literally just bought you three pair. Yeah, but these are cooler. I don't like you right now, right? <laughs> patience is a virtue. Let me give you a little definition here. Well, let me tell you. So last week was Thanksgiving. Uh, our family used to come down for the last five years. We came down as a family to go to Disney over Thanksgiving. It was awesome. We loved it, except there's 7 million people there. But nonetheless, we had a great time. Last week we went, and uh, two of the days we had express passes or lightning lane, whatever it is at Disney now. And this is the funniest thing, isn't it? My son and, sorry, my son and I were at Universal. We ran across the park, basically, to get to um, I think it was, it was Harry Potter. Sorry, I know we're not supposed to talk about that in church. But we were riding Harry Potter, and we, were, we literally hurried to stand in line and wait. I'm like sweating while I'm standing in line and waiting on this thing. And I was just like, why, why did we run here? What, what are we doing? It's, it's, it's comical, but here's the most comical thing. Isn't it funny when you have to stand in the standby line and you get mad at the people in the lightning lane? But then you're the guy in the lightning lane, and you're like, suckas. Like, <laughs> anybody else ever feel that tension? I think it's hilarious because I do it all the time. I'm like, man, that stinks for them. And I stand in it as much as they do. But there's this weird tension. Waiting is a weird thing, isn't it? Waiting is like, I don't like it. Nobody likes it. Anybody who likes waiting in here? Anybody? Sweet. This is a season in the church world that we wait. It's a beautiful season. Let me, let me tell you what Advent stands for. It's the Latin word Adventus, which means coming. What I love about this idea is it's not just waiting for waiting's sake. It's waiting in anticipation of something amazing that's coming, right? Here's, here's the thing. I bet some of you tonight are waiting on something that m you might have been waiting on for a long time. It's the job. Maybe it's the relationship. Maybe it's the schooling opportunity. Maybe it's the open door to do the thing you want to do. Maybe it's the sports opportunity. But all of us have to wait. And yet some of you right now are going, yeah, but, but Tyler, I've been waiting too long for this. If God was good, he would have already said yes. And I'm going to tell you about some seasons in my life where I asked God to open doors because I was tired of waiting and thought, if, I don't, if you don't open this door, God... I don't think I'm going to make it, and he didn't. But God has something for us while we wait. That's what's beautiful about Advent. As we start this season for leading up to Christmas, my prayer is tonight's message can give you not only a taste of why we wait in anticipation of the Savior, but what we can do in the seasons of waiting to trust God and to learn maybe he has something for you in the waiting uh, the Advent season, I would say, is just simply a season of waiting for something better that's coming. That's what the season is that we're living in. So a few years ago, probably 2018, I used to, have the, I used to lead this thing called Catalyst Conferences, and uh, it was just a ridiculous opportunity I had. We would have sometimes 10,000 Christian leaders in an event, and I, I'm sitting there going, how did I get in charge of this? <laughs> like, uh, they're going to find me out. I'm a fraud. Um, but I was leading, and it was the, kind of the end of my season of leading this thing, and it was the hardest thing I'd ever done in my life. We had 
ownership issues and all this other stuff. So I'd stand on stages in front of 10,000, 3,000, 4,000 leaders, and yet internally I kept feeling like God wasn't with me. Does that make sense? Like I'm like, God, I'm doing these things and I'm serving this community, but I'm waiting on you to show up because what most people don't know is behind the scenes this thing's imploding in some ways. There's, there's issues all around, and I need you to show up. And so one night I'm driving. I think we were actually at an event. And I'm driving, and this stinking song comes on. And I say that because it's just one of those moments where it just gets you. And I cry. Anybody, any other guys cry in here? I cry all the time. Welcome. My kids literally wait on Restaurant Impossible when they re-show the new restaurant. And they look at me. They don't even watch the show because they know I'm like, they get a second chance. Oh, it's such a beautiful restaurant. I cry all the time. This song comes on, and you've probably heard it. It's called Seasons by Hillsong. It was a Christmas season. And I'm listening to the song, and I just literally have to pull the car over. Because I was in a season of waiting, in a season of trauma, in a season of hurt, where I thought, I'm kind of tired of waiting. Hey, God, hello, I'm doing things for you, and yet I'm still having to wait. Now, you don't need to raise your hand, but I bet I'm not the only one that's felt that sometime in our lives. I bet some of you are feeling that. Right now, you might even feel like you're not even seen by God right now. That's a conversation for another day, because you are. But waiting can also be pretty exhilarating, right? You remember waiting on Christmas morning as a kid? I always had to wait at the top of the stairs, because my parents were always slow to get up. And I'm literally yelling from the top of the stairs, trying not to look to see what the presents are. But there's an exhilaration, there's an anticipation of what could be on the other side of that moment of waiting. And yet I hated waiting. Like, it's just not fun. Maybe the most important, most exhilarating waiting moment in my life was my wife and I have been married 21 years now. That's pretty impressive. Um, She still likes me. Actually, she said she likes a beard after 20 years. Who knew? Um, I didn't even know I could grow one, but here you go. Um, The moment I got to wait for her to come down the aisle. That had anticipation written all over. It was just one of the most exhilarating moments of waiting, right? I got to see my bride for the first time on our wedding day. It was unbelievable. So I've had moments of life where I'm like waiting and and it's exhilarating and anticipation. But I've also had plenty where I'm like, I've waited way too long, God. This job should have come through. Why did he get it, not me? I'm, I'm sure I'm the only one that's ever felt anything like that. But if other people in this room connect with that, maybe you can understand where we're headed with some of this. Throughout Scripture, there are tons of moments of leaders having to wait. You remember the story of Abraham, Genesis. Uh, Abraham was 75 years old, and God said to him, Hey, Abraham, your wife Sarah is going to have a baby. He was 75. Does anybody remember how long before that promise came true? 25 years. How many of you right now, if I told you God said something to you tonight, it's a promise for you, you had to wait 25 years, but it's worth it. How many of you are going, sweet, thumbs up, I'm in? No, none of us are doing that. That's crazy town. But throughout Scripture, there's all these people who actually believe that God is going to say or fulfill or do the thing that he said he's going to do. But do you think it was easy for them? But here's what I've learned. I've, I've led a lot of young leaders over the years. A lot of us... I still call myself young leader. It works. Why are you laughing? (laughs) 46 is not that old, right? You're still laughing. You covered your mouth you were laughing so hard. All right. So many of us want to derail and skip the process just to get to the destination. But what if, this is the crazy idea that I have for you tonight. What if? God has something for you in the process. What if God has something for you in the waiting? Just a thought. Let's talk about it for a minute. In the book of Isaiah, now this is where I am no longer young. Whoops. Um, Book of Isaiah. You've heard this at Christmas time. This is a big Advent passage. This is where Isaiah is talking about what's to come. And he simply says this, Isaiah 7, 14. Hear then, or this is verse 13, but hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to, uh, for, excuse me, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Here's verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. 
Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him what? Emmanuel, right? You've heard that passage before. It's been quoted in Luke. It's quoted in the New Testament, the Christmas story. Guess how long before the Christmas story this scripture, was, this prophecy was said? 700 years. 25 years looks pretty short. Can you imagine being a people, an entire people, an entire nation that was desperate for this truth, but yet never even saw it come to fruition, right? Kind of like a 25 students who were willing to trust that God would do something even if they weren't there to experience it. It's a thought. Just think about that. When I think about 25 years, 700 years, think about just what's happened in the last, say, 20 years of innovation, right? What, what, what is something that maybe started 20 years ago that we have a totally, we, we, we don't, there's things that exist now that didn't exist 20 years ago. Maybe somebody named something that might be that. IPhone. What's that? IPhone. iPhone, yeah. Somebody said something else. High speed I can't hear. High speed internet. That's right. I had AOL and you couldn't call me when I was on the internet. So I've been there. What else? Anything else? Wi-Fi, Netflix. Yeah, Tesla, right? Electric cars. If they were, they were 7 million pounds. Like crazy. Can you imagine your life without an iPhone? I can. Most of you cannot. That's fascinating, isn't it? That's not that far ago. And yet, if I told you you got to wait 20 years for something right now, you'd be like, I'm out. It's crazy how these things happen. So a quest, two questions for you. What if God is doing something in you in the waiting? While you're waiting on whatever this thing is that you're believing for, you're promised, you're waiting upon, you're patiently waiting on, what if God is doing something in the waiting? And also, what if God is growing something in you during this time? Listen, I'm not trying to be the bearer of bad news, and you're probably like, this is, like, ridiculous. I don't want to wait. I don't like to be patient. Anybody love to be patient in here? You do? Get out of here. Why do you like to be patient? Peace? That's a really good Bible answer. I like that. <laughs> and I, and I, seriously, I believe there's a contentment that can allow us to be patient, Right? Where does patience come from? Where do they talk about in the Scripture? Anybody remember? Fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5. Let's read that real quick. Galatians 5 says this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. You guys all sang the song maybe in Sunday school? There's multiple versions of it, so I'm not going to try to attempt that. But love, joy, peace, we just talked about, patience. See, I just had to look because I got lost. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All of these things, above, excuse me, against such things, there is no law. Jesus talks about, uh, Paul talks about in uh, the book of Galatians, he talks about that we are to have the fruit of the Spirit. Now here's why patience shows up there, because it's not natural. If we were all naturally patient people, this would be a lot easier, right? But there's a reason it's the fruit of the Spirit. Now some of you are naturally bent towards love, joy. Some of you are peaceful people naturally. But I think most of us, these nine things, we've got to lean into a little bit. We've got to have patience. So here's what I'm going to talk about for the next few minutes. I want to give you four keys to what to do in the waiting. Four keys to a spiritual, faith-based, God-believing patience. And I'm going to go through this in a way that hopefully you understand why I think this matters for us. So here's four keys to waiting with anticipation. Number one, you got to stay connected. You got to stay connected. Listen, John four, excuse me, John fifteen four says this: "Abide in me, and I in you." You guys have heard this, the the uh, story of the vine. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in me, excuse me, abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Now here's why this matters. When you're waiting on something and you're anticipating it, there's going to be a lot of things come your way that tell you you shouldn't wait on that thing. Is that true? There's going to be a lot of moments, potentially, you know, there's a, 
someone lurking that wants to throw some distraction your way. He wants to potentially go, is God really wanting you to wait on that relationship? Just go ahead and fulfill whatever desire you have now. That sounded familiar, didn't it? Somewhere in Genesis, something like that happened. There's going to be times where it's like, do you really want to, are you really going to wait on that perfect job? Just take the one that's okay. And sometimes you have to. But what if God is wanting you to have a little patience in your life, a little peace as you wait? Well, if you don't stay connected, you won't know that. If you're not connected to the source, this is a way to say it. Your source will dictate your course. If you are connecting to something other than the Holy Spirit, other than Jesus, that source will potentially dictate your course. What it is you plug into. Maybe it's, I bought in completely to the Orlando Magic and they're going to crush. We're all hoping that, right? <laughs> that once they get healthy... Man, I'm an Atlanta sports fan, and I have lived that for 46 years, the idea of what if we get, how, we, how good are we going to be when we get healthy, right? However, the Georgia Bulldogs won the national championship last year, and we're going to go back to back. What? How did that come up? Sorry. I'm sorry. You, lo- you lost to Vandy. Um, sorry, that was too close. That was too low. Too low. All right, we're moving on. We're, I don't want to lose your uh, friendship right now. Your source, it could be your friend's could be your mom, could be your cousin. But what if your source was the source of life? What if your source was the thing that absolutely has a plan for what you're waiting upon? That's an interesting thought. What if you actually chose to plug into something that isn't new to this world, that isn't confused by what's happening in our culture right now? that isn't wondering how we're going to make it through this economy. Your source, while you wait, will dictate your course. And if you don't stay connected, I'm nervous for you. And I'm not saying that in a, in a caution, like I'm scared. I'm saying I've lived in my life where I made decisions while I was being patient or trying to wait, and I was connected to the wrong sources. And the things that were being inputted, inputted, see, 420, input into my brain were not necessarily the things that were going to keep me on course for potentially the things that God has for me. Now, here's the truth about me. When I feel like I know what's best, I move on it. I'm impatient. Trust me. I eat Chick-fil-A like seven times a day because I don't want to wait. And because it's delicious, it's the gospel bird. Who wants to wait on food? Recently, about two years ago, gosh, that's old, right? When you say recently and then you go two years ago, I got a green egg. Anybody know what a green egg is? Yeah, we go. Green egg, for those you who don't know, is a porcelain grill. And what's special about the green egg is it literally cooks everything at the same temperature. So when you cook on a regular gas grill, this is way more information that you want to know. But when you talk to gas grill people or green egg people, they get excited about this kind of crap. So a regular gas grill loses a ton of heat out of the top because it's just a metal top. But a green egg or a Komodo or whatever you have, there's different versions of it, it keeps the heat at a consistent temperature. So if you ever go to Bubaloo's or you go to Four Rivers, most of that barbecue, brisket, pork, is cooked in something that keeps a consistent temperature. There's a reason brisket takes 14 hours to cook. Now, who wants to wait around 14 hours to watch brisket cook? Nobody. I do want to eat it after the 14 hours, but I can go to McDonald's across the street and I have a great relationship with a couple of ladies because I get a biscuit on the way into church every Sunday, and it takes me about two and a half minutes. But when I eat it, it tastes like it took two and a half minutes. I'm, I'm fine with it, let me be clear. But there's something when you have a good bite of something that's taken a little while to cook, Right? There's something when it's been aged appropriately. There's something about the process that makes it taste a little better. And there's something about the waiting that could potentially make it all the more sweeter. I'd like to say it this way. Waiting while disconnected and alone is horrible. But waiting while connected is manageable. If you're isolated and you're in a season of waiting... Be careful. Stay connected to the source and to community. Okay? Everybody good with that? Let's talk about the second one. 
Trust the process. Man, does that sound like a parent, huh? I am a parent, so it works out. Trust the process. Nick Saban says this all the time, right, about football. you got to trust the process. We have a process. That's how we win. Not this year, but we win most of the time. <laughs> trust the process. Listen to this. This is from Jeremiah 29, 11, but this is the message version. This is what God says. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you and not abandon you. You guys have heard this in like NIV, right? For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, right? You've heard that. Listen to how he says this, and I love how Eugene Peterson wrote this. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hoped for. Some of you right now are questioning that. Because you've been waiting longer on something that you thought would have already happened by now. Is that fair? And you don't have to elbow the person next to you going, please listen to this because you need to hear this. This is for each of us. There are seasons, you might be coming out of it, you might be in the middle of it, you might not have started it yet. But I promise you, if you listen to this, when you go into this season where God's saying, be patient, be patient, be patient, you're going to hopefully recall this idea. Here's what I know about truth. Anchor it so deep in your soul that when your emotions get the best of you, the truth comes out. I had a season in my life, uh, my friend Lisa Dirk, uh, Turkhurst always says this, uh, feelings are indicators. They are not dictators. They indicate there's something that needs to be addressed. But we live in lives where people say, just go with what you feel. We let our emotions dictate our yeses and our noes. We also let our emotions dictate what we believe about God. But it's in the seasons when you're not hurting, the seasons when you're not emotional, if you don't anchor some truth deep in your spirit, when you get emotional, when life throws you some stuff, those truths are going to be nowhere to be found. And you're going to let that emotion dictate what you have to know. Does that make sense? There was a season in my life where I was, it was around that same season where this song came on, and I was so emotional because of the junk going on around me that I made a simple, personal, daily discipline decision. I started listening to worship music, and I would only listen to that till noon every day. I would not, I'm the biggest Bon Jovi fan there is, but Bon Jovi had to wait till noon. Some of you are like, who's Bon Jovi? Oh my gosh. Thank you. Because you know what I wanted? I wanted to know that the things that were coming in, whether I felt them or not, were sinking into my spirit. Because there was a lot going on in my life in that moment that did not feel like it was truth sinking into my spirit. And I knew that I was going to need some stuff deeply anchored. And my prayer for tonight is that some of you are going, this doesn't matter for me. It does matter for you, and it might not be right now. But continue to think about trusting the process. The destination doesn't define you. We talked about this for a second. The process does. It's what makes you. We did a series at Catalyst years ago, and we called it Make. And it was simply that concept that it is not the destination that makes you. It's not the job. It's not the relationship. It's not the thing. The process that God uses to get you there is what makes you the man, the woman, the leader that he has when you get there. And let me tell you this as a warning. If you get the thing before you're ready for it, it will crush you. But man, nobody wants to hear that, do you? I don't want to hear that. The number of times I sat in an audience listening to people going, I could, I could do that better than that guy. I'm like, seven. But we all have this thing of like, well, I wish I was there. I wish there's an overnight thing. I should be able to get there quicker. I'm ready. I'm gifted, God. Do you see me? And he says, yeah, I do, but you're not ready yet. And I promise you this. If I had gotten to the thing I got to lead, any seconds before I did, it would have absolutely taken me out. And it almost did either way because it's hard. The process, the waiting, the developing, the pain, the growth, the time, the, experiment, the experience, all of that is part of making you the leader God is having for you. And some of you are going, this is depressing. No, it's not. This is life. What's beautiful is we have a Savior that comes right in the middle of that mess. And he says, I got some stuff for you, but I got to do something first. And maybe it's deep in your spirit. Maybe it's deep in that trust space. So in the, in the 60s, this uh, professor did this experiment called the marshmallow experiment. You've probably heard about this. And what he would do is he'd bring these kids in, 
and he'd put one marshmallow on the table. You remember this story? And what would he do next? Yeah, the problem is I cannot hear out of this here, so I'm just going to trust that what you said was right. <laughs> what he would do is say, if you wait, you're going to get two. Remember this story at all? So he did, and, and there was a percentage of kids, and you see there's like current day versions of this, and kids are like, man, you know, they do it with like memes of dogs, like, if you don't eat it, like the dog's like working the stuff or kids eating another kid's thing and like working these marshmallows. I want to I read you something that's even more fascinating than the kids at that time, the percentage of the number who waited. About 20 years later, they followed up with these same kids. And they, they tracked the ones who had waited. And I want to read this to you. Listen to this. The children who were willing to delay gratification and waited to receive the second marshmallow, ended up having higher SAT scores, lower levels of substance abuse, lower likelihood of obesity, better responses to stress, better social skills as reported by their parents, and generally better scores in the range of other life measures. Who would have thunk from a marshmallow experiment? Because there's something that happens when you wait. There's something that happens in us when we're patient. I don't like being patient. Let me reiterate. But God does something in us when we're willing to be patient. We're all in process. Instant doesn't, it, instant doesn't work. Anybody ever had instant mashed pota- potatoes? They're terrible. Like, they're not even real. I don't think they could tell you what they are. It's like pixie dust gone bad. But sometimes you need a quick fix of instant mashed potatoes. But I remember one time, I didn't know how much to mix. Oh, gosh, it was a disaster. Instant is low-hanging fruit. Uh, Overnight success, right? Social media is filled with it. I love social media most of the time, but most of us look at it and see the overnight success and we think, oh, that should have been me. Anybody remember the song, uh, the band Fun? It came out about seven, eight years ago, that song, Some Nights. Great song. Don't listen to some of those songs, but that's a good song. People were like, man, where did these guys come from there? An overnight, succession, uh, uh, overnight success. You know how many albums they had before that? Nine. Nine. Those jokers had been working their tails off and finally had a hit. But we hadn't heard of them until that song came out. And yet we watched that and we go, that should be me. I should have already had that thing, that relationship, that job, that promotion, that thing, that Tesla SUV, whatever the thing may be. I want to show you this quick thing to talk about the fact that sometimes you're laying dormant things that just need the right season for God to do what he wants to do. So in 2016, there was this phenomenon in Death Valley. It's called a super bloom. Anybody ever heard of it? So a super bloom only happens occasionally, and it happens in the desert. So here, I want to to just read to you the description of what a super bloom is. You ready? A super bloom is a rare desert, desert botanical phenomenon, that's hard to say, in which an unusually high proportion of wildflowers, who's, listen to this, whose seeds have lain dormant in desert soil. How many of you have seen the desert? That's an easy question, not rhetorical. How many of you thought, oh, there's probably seeds under that sand? None of us. Listen to the rest of this. They lay dormant in the desert uh, soil, germinate and blossom at roughly the same time. This phenomenon is associated with an unusually wet rainy season in the desert. Let me show you this picture, if we have it. That was 2016, in the desert. If you had walked on that two weeks before, you would have never imagined what was laying under your feet. And yet, in the perfect conditions, with the seeds that were laying dormant, that happened. Some of you, some of us, just need a rainy season. Some of us got some stuff deep in us that just need the right conditions. 
for God to do something amazing. Listen to uh, another line in this song, Seasons. I haven't talked to too many of the lines, but this is one of the songs, or one of the lines in the chorus. Though the winter is long, even richer, the harvest it brings. Now, I laughed because Isaac said, you guys, you know, it's getting cold. People are, it is not cold, Isaac. It's 82 degrees today. If that's cold, I'm in trouble. Now, personally, as a Jeep guy, I love this weather. But it's hilarious that I see people like, oh, it got 63 today. Okay. Welcome to the rest of the world. Right? Though the winter is long, even richer, the harvest it brings. There are days that you are going, this is the longest winter, God. Will you please? I went to seminary in Boston, and I promise you, when it hit April and it was still 12, I was dying for some warmth. Though the winter is long, even richer, the harvest it brings. Now let me just add one little note about trusting the process. Waiting isn't being idle. Okay? Waiting isn't not doing anything. Listen to this quote from uh, Rudyard Kipling. Gardens are not made by singing, oh, how beautiful, and then sitting in the shade. Isn't that a fascinating thought? And yet we do it all the time. God, would you please do this thing? He's going, yeah, but you got some work to do. Yeah, but God, you didn't do what you said you were going to do. Yeah, but you haven't stepped forward in faith. Yeah, but God, do you see what I mean? We sit in the shade and go, oh, that was beautiful. Way to go, garden. And the garden's going, yeah, but I need some work. I got some stuff in here. We don't just sit idle while we're waiting. But if you stay connected to God and you trust the process, let's see what happens. The third thing is this. Be curious. This is a new one for me. This has become probably my last 18 months, probably the most focused part of my spiritual journey. I've just decided to be curious. I've decided to be curious that when that one little thought pops in my head, could it be from God? Here's one thing I do. Every, every, almost every day, a name of somebody pops in my head. And if it's not somebody that's in my immediate circle that I'm going to run into or whatever, I'll send them a text. Or if it's a really strong feeling, I'll call them. And you guys, I can't tell you how many times that was God. Because they'll go, I can't believe you texted me today. You know what I've got going on. I've just chose to be curious. Maybe God put that there for me to say hey to that person, right? I know that sounds basic and simple. We now live in Orlando because one day about 18 months ago, I got curious. Something happened and I thought, because I've been serving on the executive team for the last three and a half years as a leadership consultant and They'd always say, why don't you move to Orlando? I was like, because I like Atlanta, and there's Florida Gator fans down there. I don't know what to do with that. I'm just kidding, mostly. Um, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, mostly. Um, I teach. I'm an adjunct professor at SEU, and I, I help them with stuff. So all my stuff was down here, but I was going, but we're good. We're in Atlanta. The kids are in a good school. But just something one day just got in me, and I thought, God, I'm going to be curious about this. And I started asking some questions. started going, what would that look like? Is that something, Carrie, my wife, do you want to pray about that? Do you want to talk? I just started being curious. And the more curious we were in the middle of going, God, we're not sure what you're doing right now, the more the next step became clear. And the next step became clear. And only God would do something unique, like bring us to Central Florida. And I'm not saying that as a not. It's just not. It wasn't in our world. Does that make sense? I flew in and I flew out. And yet God did something because I was simply curious in the waiting curious like a cat. Sorry. <laughs> Harry Carey, Will Ferrell, anybody? No? Okay. Just checking. Making sure you're awake. Here's, here's something I know. I told you about this season that I went through about 2018. And I cannot describe to you the pain and the heartache and the emotional trauma that I went through trying to save this national thing that I was in charge of. There were four times that summer, I mean, there were times like, and, and I, I'm a grown man, and I want to be honest about this, but there were four times I was in the fetal position on a couch, and my wife's going, hey, it's okay. Like, that's how hard it was, okay? And all four of those times, I remember saying, God, if you don't, 
I'm not going to. Four times. Very clear. Like, God, if you don't open the door I think you're supposed to open now, I'm out. I'm not going to make it. This isn't going to work. But you guys, as, as honest as I stand here before you, every time he said no. Awesome, right? Way God. That's awesome. Way God? What does that mean? Yay, God. What? Okay. I've been going since 5.30, guys. We're, whew, that brain just disconnects occasionally. Slash all the time. Four times he said no. Four times. And I went to bed going, I don't, I don't know what's next. And four times he upgraded my yes. Four times that he said no, the next option was way better than what I said if you don't open this door, God. And I want to tell you right now, friends, I got to lead an amazing thing. But what I'm doing this day and age, not just here, but in the things I get to do across the country, I would rather do a hundred out of a hundred times. But if he had said yes to any of those four things, I would not be doing what I'm doing today. Does that make sense? And yet in those moments, I was pissed. Excuse my language. I was frustrated because I'd been faithful, God. And you're not showing up for me. And you're not showing up for me. But leaders, can I promise you something? If you're curious in the seasons that you're waiting, in the seasons of Advent, the shepherds were getting curious, weren't they? They were told something, so they started traveling. Curiosity could be the very thing that God has for you. Two questions around curiosity. What if that thought you had today was God? And some of you are like, oh, I hope not. But what if that little stirring, that little calling, that little God thing was actually him? That'd be interesting. Be curious about that. Journal. I'm just kidding. I don't journal. But think on it. Be curious. Pray about it. The second one is this. If that was God, what's something you could do in the next seven days about it? Now, I'm a leadership coach, so every time I meet with clients, I have to go, okay, based on what we talked about, what are you going to do in the next seven days? But we don't put time on it sometimes, and we just go, hey, what would you do about it if it was? I want you to ask the question of yourself, if that was God, what would I do in the next seven days to take one step towards that idea? Simple enough? Be curious. Last one. Concentrate in the waiting while staying calm. Who in here, if your friends said they were speaking on your behalf, would say you're not a very calm person? Anybody? Me? I'll raise my hand, right? I'm not calm. That's not really in my DNA. I usually have a little bit of mojo going on. In the waiting, when we're frustrated, when we're disappointed, man, you talk about the feelings of a lack of calm. But while we're in these seasons, we have to stay focused on what God might be doing, okay? I know that sounds crazy, and you're going, Tyler, what you're saying to me tonight is way too frustrated. I'm going to give you three ideas of what to concentrate on while you're waiting. Now, I, I have a talk I love to do with college students, next-gen, young adults, that talks about what you can do today to be ready for tomorrow. Because so many of you want the job that you don't have yet, and I'm going, well, then you got to prepare for it. Here's the thing. Character takes a lifetime to build and minutes to lose. Right? So there's three things, I think, while you're waiting on God, while you're in a season of Advent, say, that you can do to focus. These are the three things I would tell you to focus on. Relationships. The people around you. Not necessarily that relationship you think should be there, but the relationships God's already given you. I've got a ninth grade boy. Please don't tell him I'm going to tell this, but that's, that's a terrible way to start that sentence. He's starting to notice non-boys. He's starting to notice girls. And here's what I know and what we've told both our boys. Hey, this is a season to grow your guy friendships. I have guy friendships because we invested in our relationships in middle school and high school, and they're still friends today girls weren't as interested in me, so it worked out. Couldn't grow a beard, clearly. No, I'm just kidding. What's around you right now? So often we're going, but I don't have that. Yeah, but look what you have. So in the waiting, concentrate on what's right there in your hands relationally. 
and invest in those relationships. Number two, passion. Uh, one of our pastors here, David Lovelace, always talks about this sweet spot tool. If there's anything you could learn right now in this season, as you're preparing for the next season, as you're getting ready for whatever the thing may be, what is your passion? What is the thing? You know, this is the first generation. How many of you are millennials on the, the millennial side of that, right? And then we've got Gen Z in the room, right? You realize you're the first two generations that are coming out of college going, I'll, wait, I'll make less money to be a part of something that matters. That's crazy. Our generation, Gen X, we're like, nope. That's fascinating. This is a generational reality. But what is it that you're passionate about? Don't just, you know, Scripture talks about the zeal without knowledge can be deadly. Start coupling knowledge with that passion, with that zeal. Figure that thing out. My prayer, truthfully, as I was sitting over here, God, strike some of these leaders in this room with a bug of leadership because leadership matters. You know what I believe? I don't know people that walk away from Jesus because of Jesus. But by golly, I know lots that have walked away from the church because of those of us that represent the church. That's why leadership matters to me. That's why this stuff, how we act in the seasons of waiting, the seasons of Advent in our life, is absolutely going to be an indication for others what we believe and who we trust in. And so doing these things are ways to show a world and yourself, I actually believe in something bigger than this. The last one is this, and I mentioned that a minute ago, work on your character. Concentrate on building your integrity, your character, who you are, those fruit of the Spirit. And you guys, leaders, you will never regret that, ever. But I know people that have regretted not doing that. I want to say a little phrase. And I wrote this in one of the books I got a privilege to write. And I remember as I wrote it, it was like God just said it to me because I was in the middle of this season going, Lord, you got to do something. I'm dying here. This is all I said. Most of us want relief from a hard season when what God wants for us is revelation. Isn't that true? When you're waiting, what sucks about waiting is you want relief from the pain. You want relief from the thing. You want relief from the expectation. You want relief from why, God, are you not doing the thing I want you to do? And he's going, because I got revelation for you. And if I give you the thing, you're not going to hear the revelation. You're not going to get the experience. You're not going to get the peace. So here's how we're going to close tonight. We're going to sing the song, not we, they, are going to sing seasons. I could, okay? I'm just kidding. Kind of. Um, I, want, I want to read a line from the bridge. This is what broke me when I heard this song and when I thought about these four things. This is the line of the bridge, and I almost got in a wreck. God, if you're not done working, then I'm not done waiting. You guys, there have been very few times that there's been a theological, God, deep anchor spirit moment like this moment in my life. It literally transcended how I was thinking about the situation. Because it was the first time I thought, huh, maybe you're not, not letting that thing happen because you don't want to, but because you're doing something. I, I, don't, I know that sounds like I should have learned that a long time before. But it revolutionized my understanding. It was a revelation that I needed that has changed my life simply because God had a moment for me in a moment where I was waiting. And I remember thinking, God, you're I don't want to be done waiting if you're not done working. You see the difference there? I'll wait longer if you're still doing the thing that you want to do in my life. So here's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to close with this two ideas, two questions. There's two groups of you. One is this. Some of you tonight, as we sing this song, you need to repent of your frustration with God, of your anger with God, of your angst for him not doing the things you think he's supposed to do right now. And I'm not saying that like, oh, you sinners. I'm saying you need to bring to God and go, God, I'm sorry. Because actually, I want what you want for me. Does that make sense? And it could be just right there. Honestly, you can come up here. I don't care. You can do whatever you want. But I promise you, you can walk out with that weight off of you of going, I'm going to trust you, God. I know it doesn't feel right. It's hard, and there's pieces that don't seem to make sense. But at the end of the day, when we wait patiently, it says we trust in something bigger 
than ourselves. The second one is this. Some of you need to quit waiting because God's called you to do something and you're acting like he hasn't. Some of you tonight, it was in a room like this where God called me into ministry full time because I finally said, God, I'm tired of waiting. I know you're calling me to this, but I'm gonna go leave it at the front. God changed my life. Some of you have been waiting on something to take the next step. And I'm telling you, God wants you to know tonight, take the step. Some of you need to quit waiting tonight. So I'm gonna pray for us. And we're gonna play this song. And I want you just to think about the ideas that we're in these seasons. But friends, can I tell you something? God hasn't forgotten you. And he doesn't. But he might just be doing something that's bigger than what you can see in front of you. And that's what Advent's all about. Anticipation of the greatest thing that's ever happened in the world. I believe for you that God has something significant on the horizon. It just might be a minute because he's got something to do in you. Father, would you anchor what's true in your word into our spirits and our souls? Would you allow these young leaders to understand, God, that you see them, that you know them, that you love them, every bit of it. I pray specifically, God, for the leaders who need to uh, just ask your forgiveness for being so frustrated with you not doing what they think you should do, myself included. And I also pray, God, for a stirring in the leaders, God, who need to take the step of the thing you've already spoken to them about. And we pray tonight, God, as we think about the fact that you do work in us all the time, that we would be a people willing to trust that in the seasons of Advent, the seasons of waiting, maybe, just maybe, you have something for us. In Jesus' name, amen.